glad you're here. Welcome. Welcome to those at our Rochester campus, those watching online, those at um, our Webster campus. We're, we're glad that you guys um, are here. My name's Nate. I'm the Webster campus pastor and excited to, to kick off this series through the book of Philippians. And as we get going, I really just want to start with a question and have you think about this. But have you ever noticed how you can have two different people navigating through a similar or even the same difficult circumstance in life? So two different people navigating through the same circumstance, but yet have two totally different perspectives and even attitudes and even outcomes, right? For one, you could have someone navigating through this, this issue where that, that is all that they see. Like they, they just get stuck. They get surrounded. They're not sure how to move out. They can't see beyond where they're at. Then you have someone on the other hand who is able to kind of see the situation, see the circumstance, but then also be able to kind of see beyond it, to be able to step out of it even and be able to move forward with, with purpose, with direction and clarity, right? Two different people, same situation, but two totally different responses and outcomes to how they navigate and handle that, that circumstance. Why is that? Well, we're going to talk about that. In fact, the book of Philippians is here to help us think through issues like that in our lives. And so I'm excited to dive in. You guys ready? You guys excited to dive into the book? All right. Let's go. I hope you're ready. I hope you got your sermon notes out. That'll be huge. You can track right along with us. If you don't have those, go to the Northridge Church app. You can, uh, you can follow along. Hopefully you have God's word in front of you. Turn to Philippians, Philippians 1, as we work through chapter 1 this morning. Let's get to know this book a little bit. Let's get to know some of the context for what's happening here. So in the first verse, we know who our author is. We know that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. And we know that it is a letter written to um, a church in Philippi. This was a church that Paul started. This was a church that Paul planted. And it was the first church Paul actually started in Europe. And so this was really Paul's first, like, missionary uh, uh, reaching out effort. And so he had a real love and affection for his friends, his, these believers at the church of Philippi. In fact, he even spent some time in prison in Philippi. It's a great story. If you want to read it, go to Acts 16. You can read about how he, how he and his buddy Silas were put in prison there, and they kind of got beaten up a little bit. They were kind of bloody. They were in shackles together in this prison, but they were like singing, and they were praising God, and God miraculously shows up and delivers them. It's, a, it's an awesome story. But Paul, he planted this church. He started this church in Philippi in AD 52, and then 10 years later, Paul writes this letter. So 10 years after starting this church, he writes this letter back to them. And here's why that's important, because he's writing to an established church, but it's a young church. And the whole point that Paul is trying to drive at here is he's trying to help this church, this group of believers mature in their faith. He's trying to help them grow and to become better followers of Jesus Christ. And he's focusing on one main theme, one main topic in this book, and that is joy. And in fact, that's the whole theme of the book, how to have true joy no matter what, no matter the circumstance, no matter what life brings, even during a pandemic, losing your job, losing a, losing a loved one, um, or battling a, an intense sickness or disease, whatever you are facing, how you can have true joy. In fact, in a book that's only four chapters long, it's not very long. In fact, that's like, it's like two pages in most, most of our Bibles. Paul mentions the word joy or rejoice 16 different times. So it's the clear, it's the clear theme of this book. In fact, we'll see at one point, Paul even says like, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. So like he's trying to help us. Like we have to understand, we have to understand joy. But here's what's interesting. Here's the irony of this, this whole book. Paul is writing this letter from prison. So he, he's writing a letter to, to Christians, to this church about joy while he's sitting in a jail cell in, in Rome. 
And when you think about a jail cell, don't think about the jail cells today. This, would, this, this was way different back then. It most likely would have been underground. It would have been dark. It would have been damp. He also would have been chained next to a guard. And every eight hours, they would bring another guard in that would be standing next or, or sitting next to Paul as he's in prison. And on top of that, he expected at any moment to be killed. Paul was awaiting execution in the city of, of Rome for talking about Jesus. Another point to know is Paul loved the city of Rome. Paul had a huge heart uh, for Rome and for reaching Rome because during Paul's day, Rome was the capital of the world. So Paul had dreams about going, going to Rome and preaching on the, on the streets and preaching to hundreds, thousands of people and seeing them get saved and know Christ, but that never happens. Instead, he actually gets arrested while he's in Jerusalem they take him to Caesarea, which is a port city on the nation of Israel. He takes a boat ride across the Mediterranean Sea, and then he lands in jail in Rome. And here he is 10 years later, after this church plant, he writes these words to us. And it's so important for us to catch these words right out of the gate. Look at Paul's gratitude in verse 3. He says, I thank my God. Now just pause for a second. Okay, think about that. Is that what you would write? Is that what you would, you would write to people on the outside? While you're in prison, I can tell you that probably would not be my first words. Mine would be like, help, I'm in trouble. Like, they're hurting me. I, I got beat the other day. They may do it today. I may die tomorrow. Like, I am in trouble. Man, the guy next to me stinks. He smells. And they keep just bringing smelly guys to sit next to me. You know, could, you know, could one of you start a GoFundMe account so we can help with my legal fees? Like, I'm in, I'm in trouble here, right? I can tell you. The one thing I wouldn't be doing is just be like, you know what? I'm just so grateful. Like that. <laughs> That is not, that would not be my response, but yet we see this is what Paul says. And look, this is the journey that we are going to go on together as we work through the book of Philippians together, where we can get to this place where even in these hard moments, to be able to thank God, to, to be able to have, to have joy, because it's human nature in these types of moments to get mad, to get angry, to get frustrated, to blame other people, to get defensive, right? to play the victim card, right? On and on it goes. And if you stick with us through this year, we're gonna learn how we can have joy even in the worst, worst days, how we can have true joy no matter what because bad days are coming. They're coming. And I don't know about you, but oftentimes I don't do very well on my bad days, right? right? I struggle. And so we're gonna grow together. We're gonna mature together as a church as we work through the book of Philippians together. In fact, one of the marks, we're gonna learn about this, one of the marks of a mature Christian is how you respond to your bad days. And it's our hope that we're going to discover, even in our bad days, God has something for us. There's something there we need to learn. We need to discover it because it will truly change our lives. So Paul says, verse 3, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for, for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this. In other words, I'm absolutely sure of one thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Right, so what Paul is saying here is, look, man, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, man, remember what we started 10 years ago. Remember the dreams that we had. Remember how we envisioned all that God was going to do in and through us and in and through you and in and through the church at Philippi. Just remember, don't lose sight of those dreams because, man, God is faithful. He will bring it to completion. But remember, this is coming from a guy whose dreams are not coming true, right? This is coming from a guy that instead of preaching from a stage or the streets of Rome, he's sitting in a jail cell in Rome. 
Right, how does he do that? Right, like how does Paul do this? Well, I think that's the question of the day. How could Paul have this kind of attitude, this mindset that, man, no matter what, what he encounters or what he faces, he knows, man, God's got this. He's going to carry it through to the day of completion. Right, how do you get that? How do we get that? I think if we continue in this journey together, we're going to learn. Paul understood something, something really important. He understood the difference between joy and happiness. He had something better than happiness. And it's this thing called joy. And I think it's important for us to understand, well, what then is the difference between happiness and joy? Because I'm convinced for so many of us, myself included, like I'm on a happiness quest. Right? That is my life. That's what I'm pursuing. That's what I'm chasing after. Right? And if I can have a little bit more stuff or if I can earn this status or earn this salary or get the newest, latest, and greatest, then, man, I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to experience this happiness. And right? For many of us, we've probably experienced that from time to time. But right, it's fleeting. It doesn't last very long. And then we're kind of left right where we were before. And Paul's going to help us discover that regardless of what is happening around you, we can experience something far greater than happiness. It's this thing called joy. It's elusive. Not many people even find it. Like they get happy from time to time, but they rarely experience or discover true joy. So what's the difference? As we get ready to dive into chapter one here a little bit more, let's talk though about like, okay, well, what's the difference between happiness and joy? Well, a few things. First, I would say happiness comes from the outside. Right? Happiness comes from the outside. You're happy when things around you are going well, when things are good, when your kids are good, when your roommate's good, when your friends are good to you, when your boss is nice to you. Like, when things around me are good, then I'm, I'm good. When the sun is shining, I'm good. When it's cloudy and rainy out, I'm not good, right? And we all know the reality of that living in Rochester, New York. But in other words, right, happiness, it's based on circumstance. It's based on circumstance. But think about that word with me for a second. Um, in fact, think about the word happiness, right? The first part of that word happiness, that word, the, the first part, hap, that, that is Latin for the word circumstance or luck. So it, in other words, it's like you are at the total mercy of what is happening um, around you. And if you think about the word circumstance, that you could literally define it as the circle you are standing in. That's what circumstance means. Like this is the place where I have decided to dwell. That, that's what the word circumstance means. And going back to our question that we started started the whole talk off with, right, have you ever noticed, right, two people could be standing in the same circumstance, but yet have two totally different responses to that? Well, why is that? Well, it's because some people are able to step outside of that. Like, that is not where they dwell. They're able to step outside of that to see, to see what's ahead of them. In fact, here's a tip. So the next time a friend of yours, a family member, someone close to you, you see them and, uh, and you say, hey, man, you know, what's up? How are you doing? And if they respond back to you and they say, you know what, I guess it's going, it's going okay under the circumstances. Here's my tip. Here's, here's what I encourage you to do. I would respond by just saying, well, what are you doing under there? <laughs> right? Like, like Tom, you don't have to stay there. Right? right? You don't have to stay there. there. There's something better. There's something different. Because that's actually what joy is. Joy offers us something else. Joy comes from the inside. Meaning joy is not based on the conditions of what's happening externally around you. But you can have joy even in the midst of the worst days. And by the way, Paul has the most street cred to bring this message to us. He has the most credibility because Paul had a rough life. I mean, he had a hard, hard life. Just read 2 Corinthians 11, and you can read down through all the things Paul had to endure. Five times Paul received the 39 lashes that Jesus received. Jesus went through that one time. Paul experienced that five times. 
He was beaten with rods. He was shipwrecked. He spent a night and a day bobbing around the Mediterranean Sea on a piece of driftwood. He finally washes up on an island, and right, he's cold, he's damp, so he wants to make a fire. So what does he do? So he grabs some wood to build a fire, and a venomous snake comes out of the wood and bites him on the hand. Like, bro, like, give the guy a break, right? This poor guy. He was stoned, like, with rocks, not drugs, so... (laughs) Some of you are like, well, at least he had some relief. But no, no, not, we're not thinking that. Rocks, rocks. But even beyond just physical stuff, like Paul experienced the personal stuff too, like of people letting him down, of people turning their back on him or spreading rumors about him and his churches. We're going to learn about that actually a little bit later in, in, in this chapter. So Paul had a rough life, like from every angle, but look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, which just connects so well to what we're talking about here. He says, therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light. Side note, everything I just talked about was not light. (laughs) That was not easy. But Paul says, for our light And momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, not externally, right? Not on circumstances, but on what is unseen, internal. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What Paul is saying here and what he's going to unpack for us in Philippians is, look, you can get to this place where your joy outweighs your happiness. I found something better. Paul gets to this place where he learns that no matter what I am facing, I can find joy, I can find contentment and peace through Christ. Another way you could say it is happiness happens by chance, right? It's not up to you, right? It's if you're lucky, it's if you have a good day, right? You put it so much into things you can't control, right? It's just, it happens by chance, but joy, joy happens by choice. It's up, it's up to us, and it's a daily choice that we need to make, Right, and oftentimes, we got to be careful, don't, don't put your hope in things you cannot control, right? In other words, don't let the things you can't control, control you. And for so many of us, man, this is our journey, this is my journey. But there's hope, there's a better way, which is why we have the book of Philippians and, and Paul's words here to, to help us understand and discover, and discover this hope. So the next thing Paul does here in chapter 1 is he actually prays, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this prayer. It's a beautiful prayer that Paul prays for the church in Philippi, and it's, it's a, a prayer that directly relates to Northridge Church and applies to us. In fact, this is a prayer my wife Emily and I have actually memorized. We pray this for our kids, but listen to what Paul says. He says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in two things, in knowledge and depth of insight. So there's some things you need to know. But then as a result of that, there's some things that ought to start changing inside of you so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So now Paul here, now he's getting ready to dive into the content and really answer this question of, you want to know how I am able to find joy, even in the midst of being in prison? You want to know where the source of my joy comes from? Well, here here it is. Here's how you can find joy in any circumstance. Paul goes on, verse 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, right? So bad things have happened. Things have not worked out according to what Paul was planning, right? He's in prison. They may kill him, right? So all this stuff has happened. But it's actually, it's happened to serve to advance the gospel, 
Right? How do you find joy in all circumstances? Well, I think Paul models for us and shows us a couple of different things that we can take and observe from him here in Philippians 1. The first would be stop asking why. And it's so easy when we find ourselves in difficult times and seasons asking why over and over and over again. And you can endlessly ask that question and never truly have the answers to that. You can die in your whys if we're not careful. Right? Another way to put it is you have to get over the initial distraction of what actually just happened. Because right, for most of us, like that's where we stop and we get stuck and we stay there and we're stuck there and we don't know what to do. And we're there indefinitely. And if we're not looking to find an answer to the why, you may never move forward because right, we may never know why something actually happened in our lives. Right? And we live in a world where God tells us we're going to experience trials, we're going to experience trouble. That's going to be a reality. Because of sin, the world is broken, so we should expect to experience these things. God never promised us we won't have trouble, but he does promise us a way to overcome whatever we are facing. And Paul understood this. He knew no matter what, what he faced, there was a way of escape. There was a solution that God had for him to rescue him in that. In the middle of all Paul is enduring, we don't see him asking the question, why? It doesn't mean he didn't have questions. It's okay to have questions and to pursue answers to those questions. I have my own set of why questions. In fact, when, when I get to heaven, man, I'm, I'm hoping that there's like an orientation class or like an FAQ or like I'm able to work through just some of the questions that, that I have. But I, I think Paul, he wants us to understand and get to this place like, look, there, there will probably be, be many things you never fully understand why. But look, that is not a poor reflection of God's faithfulness or his character. That's just our limited ability and perspective as fallen and finite humans to know, to know what he is up to. So we got to be careful. We got be, to be careful with our whys. We can die in our whys. So what do we do? Well, we should, I think there's a better question. And I think Paul shows us this. We need to start asking what? Right, we need to say, God, what are you up to? What's going on here? What is it that you want me to see and understand? What is it that you want me to discover? Uh, what is it that, I, man, I just gotta squeeze as much out of this situation so that I can, I can know and grow and mature and become more like the, the person that you want me to be. And listen, this question right here, this question is where the joy channel is. This question is where the joy channel, this is where we begin to discover the beauty of following Jesus. Right, because we have our plans and like directions, like I think we should go this way, but then God can flip the script on that and he can change it up and then send us in a new direction. And the beauty is submitting and being aware and saying, okay, God, all right, all right, so what is it now? What is it that you have for me now that I need, that I need to see and discover? In fact, you wanna know what God was up to in Paul's life? Like, this is crazy, okay, track with me. Think about this for a minute. Paul is writing the book that we are studying today because his plans didn't work out. Right? Think about that. Paul's writing a book we're studying because he wasn't preaching. He was in prison. And Paul ends up writing much of the New Testament because his plans didn't work out. You have a book of Philippians because Paul's plans didn't, didn't work out. That's pretty cool, right? That's pretty amazing because Paul, he had lots of time now, right? He's just sitting in jail. He can write a lot of letters while he's sitting, sitting in prison. And today, part of our Bibles are what they are because Paul didn't get to do what he thought he was going to do. Paul discovered, though, the new opportunities in these twists and turns. Even in the bad moments, even in the difficult moments, even on his bad days, Paul had this perspective. I'm going to find it. I'm going to discover. God has something for me in this. I'm going to find it, and I'm going to discover it. 
Every one of your bad days is a new opportunity. Every one of them. And when we start to understand this, this is when we begin to start understanding joy. Paul continues, verse 13, he says, as a result, so meaning, let me, let me tell you what I did with this new opportunity. It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So you see what Paul is saying here. He's saying, look, since I didn't get to preach on the streets of Rome, you know what I did? Well, I just preached to the guy next to me. And here, here's the cool thing. Every eight hours, they bring me a new guy. So here's what I, I just start preaching to the next guy. They bring it up. I start preaching to the next guy. Now the whole palace guard has heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Just Paul realizes and decides, you know what? I might not be able to preach to hundreds or thousands of people, but I can preach to the guy next to me. I can do that. Verse 14, he says, and because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So he's saying, look, now everyone else, they're kind of hearing about my situation and wh what happened here, and that I'm sharing the gospel, and it, that's spreading throughout the palace guard. You know what? Now it's firing them up. It's firing them up. It's an example to them to live for Christ passionately wherever God has, has them. Right? What is that? Like, like how does Paul do this? Right? What's an attitude? It is a mindset that Paul is deciding to say, man, there is something here I need to discover. There has to be something that God has for me. I'm going to find it. And I think that we talked about the mark of a mature follower of Christ is this mindset that says in the middle of some change, in the middle of some difficulty, there's good in it. I'm going to find it. There's good to be discovered. In fact, Paul even shares about this in one of the most well-known uh, verses in the New Testament. One of the most popular verses of the New Testament, Paul says, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That there's something God wants, right, to show us. And whatever we are facing, whatever we're facing, there's some good in it that we need to discover that God is trying to use this situation to help us become more like his son, Jesus Christ. So we're going to stop asking why. We're going to start asking what. And then Paul is going to tell us that we need to refocus. We need to refocus on what really matters. Now think about that that for a second, right? Because a lot of things in life matter. But what really matters? Like at the end of, of the day, right, in light of eternity, right, there's only a few things that really matter. In fact, if you've ever had an opportunity to speak to someone who's coming near the end of their life, um, maybe it's a loved one or even just your family or a family that's navigating through saying goodbye to someone, you realize there's only just a couple of things that they're really thinking about and focusing about. Be, as, as a pastor, being a pastor for nearly 10 years, I've had the great honor and privilege to walk alongside of, of people and, and families that are navigating through saying goodbye to someone. And I gotta tell you, they're only thinking about just a couple, a couple of things. And Paul here, he's about to tell us we need to reshift our focus on what really matters. And he's about to address to an issue that had come up in the Philippian church. So Paul, he had received letters while in prison um, from friends in Philippi that there was, there was some struggles going on around this church that he planted. There were other churches that had popped up, and the leaders of these churches were just not good or kind people. And so they started spreading rumors about Paul and about his church, and it was causing struggle, and it was causing issues. And so Paul addresses this, this issue here in verse 15. He says, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, 
not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? So Paul's saying like, who cares, right? Right? Does it really matter? And then he says this, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. So Paul's saying, look, God, don't get all worked up over this, right? Don't, don't get caught up in the drama of the stuff that's happening that's robbing you of your joy, that's tripping you up. Don't do it. Stay focused on what really matters. And then he says, and because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Paul's saying, look, you're not going to get me down with that. Nope, nope, you're not going to rob me of my joy. I'm going to stay focused on what matters. And you know what? I'm just glad Christ is being preached. Paul's deciding. All right, what's he deciding? He's like, I'm, I'm going to have a good attitude. And for some of us, we need to hear this. We need to adopt Paul's attitude. For some of you, man, you are getting tripped up over stuff that at the end of the day just isn't that important. And these trivial things are robbing you of joy. And not only you, they're robbing the people closest to you of joy. And you need to come back and think like, man, am I getting all worked up over something that at the end of the day, does it, does it truly matter? We need to cho choose to focus on what truly matters because at the end of the day, there's only a few things that really matter. And look, we got to understand, bad days plagued Paul. Bad days plagued Paul. Paul didn't just spend time in prison once. He was in and out of prison all of the time. And so he would get out and then he would continue his purpose and mission in life to make much of Christ and to share the gospel. And then he would get in trouble for doing that. And then they would put him back in prison. And then he'd just be like, well, all right, that's great. Man, I was this close to fi finishing Colossians. Man, sweet. Now I'm going to have more time while I'm in prison to write, to write this letter. Right, that was Paul's attitude in life. And right, what do you say to a guy like that? Like, what do you, what do, you do? All right, if locking you up, Paul, all right, and beating you, if that's not going to get you to keep your mouth quiet about, you know, Jesus and the gospel and all this, here's what we're going to do. Paul, we're going to kill you. We're going to take your life. And we don't, we don't know if this is true or not, but I imagine like when, when Paul hears that, he probably had like a, a grin or a smile on his face because I, I, I honestly believe if that happened, he probably would think, man, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be because, right, then I would spend eternity with my Savior in heaven. And so Paul's in this weird dilemma, right, because he knows his purpose in life. He's focused on what really matters. In fact, he shares this dilemma with us. Look at verse 21. He says, well, for, to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And Paul's saying, look, I just, I can't decide which is better. If I stay, I get to keep sharing the message of Jesus with people that I love and care about who desperately need to hear the message of Jesus. But if I go, well, man, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in eternity with my Savior in heaven. I can't decide which is better. Right, what do you do to a person that has that kind of attitude and mindset? The question is, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. There is no circumstance that can change that. When, when, you, when, when you have a live as Christ, die as gain attitude, Paul, Paul's saying, look, because I know Jesus, there is no way I can lose. Man, that is so powerful. And maybe some of you need to hear that and believe that. If you know Jesus, there's no way you can lose. The pressure is off. I think we, right, we see this and we bump into it in these moments where we think about what truly matters in life and whether it's a loved one or someone we know. I know, I know for me, I remember bumping into this um, 
early in life. And I've shared some of my story with you guys over, over the years. But my sister, Allie, she's two years older than me. And, a, and at age 30, she got diagnosed with cancer. And it was tough. It was hard. And she had to battle through that um, a number of times. Praise God, she eventually was able to, to, to battle through and she's been cancer free. But I will never forget my sister's testimony and example. It was hard and it was challenging, but she said, she decided, man, I'm gonna choose joy. And as I battle this cancer, I'm gonna testify of God's grace and goodness. And if he takes me home, he takes me home. I'll be with my savior in heaven. But if he chooses to keep me here, I will continue to make much of Christ. And it was hard and it was tough, but it was a choice she made that she was going to pursue Christ no matter what, that that is where her joy was rooted. And it was powerful, a powerful example to so many many people. And this is what Paul is saying to the Philippians. Because he knows Christ, there's nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do to steal or rob him of his joy. Paul understood this, this earth, it's not my home anyways. So God provided, set him free. Awesome. That's great. But if he ended up losing his life, he was going to be with his Savior. Which is the last thing that Paul models for us, right? When you know Christ, you're in a win-win situation. And that's why no circumstance or situation can rob me of my joy. That's why we can celebrate when God provides in incredible ways. Why we can celebrate even in the midst of death. That's true joy. And for some of you here today, I just wonder, do you know that joy? Have you stepped into that joy that comes from knowing Christ? Have you stepped into a relationship with Jesus? And if you haven't done that, I would just ask you, man, why not let today be the day you step into that relationship with Jesus where you experience true joy for the first time. How do you do that? It's as simple as expressing in your own heart and in your, own, um, in, in your mind just these words that you recognize you are a sinner, that sin separates you from God. But God in his love and in his grace and mercy provided a way through his son, Jesus Christ, who came, took our place on the cross, died for our sins, and we just humbly say, God, will you forgive me of my sin? And will you be the leader of my life? And when we do that, we step into this amazing relationship with Jesus where he's at the center and he can provide this joy that Paul is urging us and desiring for us to know and experience as well. Maybe you've done that, right? Maybe, maybe you made that decision and you're struggling right now. It's hard. You've got a bad attitude. You've got a bad perspective. And maybe it's because of a number of different things. Maybe it's the the trivial things in life that at the end of the day, do they really matter, are tripping you up and they're robbing you of, of joy, robbing the people around you of joy. And maybe you need to, to think about what Paul is saying here. And remember, we gotta choose joy in all circumstances. Each day, make that choice. I know it's hard, I know it's challenging, but maybe you need to stop asking why and start asking what. Start looking for what it is that God wants to teach you right now through what you're facing. Focus on what really matters. Remember, at the end of the day, if you know Christ, you are in a win-win situation. And then Paul, he, he ends chapter one. He ends chapter one by just saying, because, because we're in a win-win situation, live a life worthy of the gospel. And uh, he spends really the next part of Philippians uh, talking about this. What does it look like then to live a life worthy of the gospel? In fact, that's where we're gonna pick it up next week as we start to discover what does it look like to live this joy-filled life? And so we hope you come back and continue this journey with us uh, through, through the amazing book of Philippians. But let me pray. God, thank you so much for the book of Philippians, that, that we have this book because Paul's plans didn't work out. 
and it is a, a great example to us, God, of how we can find joy no matter what we are experiencing um, in life. God, I just pray, I pray that you would help us to choose joy, that we focus on you and choose to look for the nugget, to look for what it is that you want us to see and to, to step into, God, that we need to grow in and understand. Give us the strength, God, and the grace to do that, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.